Let's see how many. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. 14 different forms of the same person. Jesus. Jesus Christ lives in every one of us. He's the real life inside each and every one of us. Um, and uh, as we know, Jesus of Nazareth told the told the apostles, said, I gotta go away, because if I don't go away, you know, it, 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 it would just be him, Jesus of Nazareth, and he'd be the only one that that he, he would be the instead of the firstborn son, he'd be the only born son. But the purpose of God sending um, the second person of the Trinity to to come and live completely and totally as a human man uh, was to um, reproduce that same life that that Jesus Christ walked in in each and every one of us. So when he says, you know, when I go away, I send the Comforter, I send the Holy Spirit, he will testify of me. And uh, so he, the Holy, one of the Holy Spirit's main jobs is to testify of Christ. And um, I find that for me, and I've been around long enough to see patterns, and the pattern that I see is that um, we, we first come to Jesus, and it's all about Jesus the man, Jesus the Savior, Jesus the Son of God, and our focus is on Him. And which is which is perfectly correct, exactly where it's supposed to be, because we must, in order to enter the life, that's the doorway. The doorway to the Father is through the Son, and there's no other way. He, you know, the Father must. He says, He says, the Father draws him, but if you lift Christ up, then I'll draw all men unto myself. And so, um, we're, we 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 cannot know God as a person except we come through that that doorway where we find Christ and behind Christ we find the Father and the Spirit. They're they're never like one's over here, one's over here, one's over there. It's it's a package. It's a package deal. And uh, that's what we were kind of getting started on as uh, we were beginning to speak a few minutes ago. Um, we don't prepare anything. Um, I used to. I used to go around um, with a whiteboard and stuff and draw charts and tell you how the human self functioned and, and all of that. But I've just basically thrown all that out. And the reason is because we function by the Spirit and we really don't know how. I mean, um, if people tell you, well, it's these techniques and these little tricks, the way you hold your mouth, how far you, how much, how you pray, and it's not that. Jesus, it was, it's reduced really to a great simplicity. They said, Jesus, how do you do what you do? He says, the Father that dwells in me, He does the works. Um, as, a, as a young baby Christian, um, the Lord took us, my wife and I, we were from Georgia, Rome, Georgia, uh, north, that's north, northwest Georgia. And um, He took us in um, 1973 from there out to Monterey, California, and we got into a youth group. Well, it was a Pentecostal church, youth-oriented, uh, kind of the Jesus movement kind of thing. And um, um, we spent all... Uh, the, my first... The first portion of that time uh, was my euphoria of being born again. And I know a lot of people have that sort of... You know, you have a, a lot of people have a euphoria when they're first born again. And, and, every, and, it, and that happened with me. I had fought it for quite some time. I didn't grow up as a Christian. I didn't grow up as... I mean, I grew up kind of going to church intermittently, but but it was 
it was just religion, you know. And uh, we went for when I was a small child, we went uh, we went to the Presbyterian Church intermittently. Then when I got older, we went to the Episcopal Church less intermittently. Uh, and and I got involved with. Uh, being an acolyte, that's altar boy, and we're lighting the candles and taking part in the communion service and stuff like that. And I kind of got religious for a little while. Um, nothing wrong with that. I mean, God uses these things to draw us to Himself. So every you can look back at every part of your life uh, and 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 see that the the God's hand is there. Uh, and uh, whether you were doing good or evil. God's hand is still there because John read, John read uh, from Galatians where Paul says, when, uh, "When God, who separated me from my mother's womb, was pleased to reveal His Son in me, well, it, 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 what I got out of that, as the Spirit showed me, was that basically, once Paul became and, and understood who he was and who lived in him, uh, it, it kind of sanctified all of his life. It's not that it that it made it right for him to persecute the church and things like that, but he also he saw that that was his path to Jesus. And uh, we've all, whether we've been goody two shoes or we've gone out and robbed banks or whatever, it doesn't really matter because whatever it is, our path to Jesus, that's the path, Hallelujah. and that's the one that the that the Father took us on. And you say, well, I made up my mind, and I caused this, and I did all that, and yes, you did. But there's a higher hand. And there always is the higher hand, an unseen hand that is moving all kinds of things. You know, when it says that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose, think about how many things that is. That's not just today, and you just happen to be at a stoplight, and just happen to turn into a place, and you just happen to see some person, you know, and something happened. We're talking about trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of things that, that is happening through all time and eternity manipulated, in a sense, to, for us to be here, right here in this room. Yes, Lord. God is a big God and He's real smart, a whole lot smarter than we are, and, and there's no computer you know, on the face of the earth that can manage all that. That's a lot of information and a lot of time. And uh, so, we're, we, we are... Here we are sitting here in these bodies in this house, and we're the we're the product of what God has designed and desired from eternity. You know, He says, uh, you know, before I knew you in your mother's womb, He says, uh, before you were born, I called you. Um, the, you know, He created uh, good works for us to walk in before the foundations of the earth, and knowing we would be here, and knowing the problems that man had would have. At the center of the throne, in the midst of the heart of God, is a lamb slain from the foundations of the earth. So before there's a sinner to sin, there's already the provision of sin from the heavenly realm. Amen. And what happened in the in, yeah. in you know two thousand years ago in Palestine is really a a visible uh, representation uh, of of an invisible reality that has always been there. You know God's. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the Lamb's been slain forever. And so, and, and Abraham partook of that. Abel took, partook of that. Seth partook of that. Noah partook of that. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So, you know, and, and, and they didn't yet see the completion that we see. Uh, the, the saints back in those days. And that's what Jesus said. Kings and prophets of old have not seen the things you have seen. 
And um, it wasn't, I don't believe he was talking about the fact that he was performing miracles and, 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 and that sort of thing. What he was talking about was, was that, you know, God has from eternity desired sons, sons who would not only do his will, but sons who would consciously and willingly do his will because love doesn't come by force. Love doesn't come by fear and intimidation. Um, and love is not produced by automatons who have no uh, say-so in the matter. You just might as well set up a computer and build a robot. But God wants sons, conscious sons. But we have to kind of get, we have to get through a little, little, you know, valley. <laughs> yes, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. His whole life is basically that. Uh, but. Thou art with me, and I'll fear no evil. We don't come to that at first, but we learn that as we go. And so, I don't really know what the the, the purpose after this realm is. The Lord hasn't shown that to me. So I just, you know, what we have been given, John and I and many others with us, is, is what about now? What about heaven now? We're not looking for heaven later, though we... We will experience it, whatever that is. Um, I am very, very interested in, in, in un uh, first of all, my own self coming to an understanding of what happened to me in the new birth. Um, and, and now who am I and what am I doing? Who am I, who am I walking around in the earth and what's my purpose? What am I supposed to do with this? And um, so that's, that's because we... Have, you know, the Lord takes us all through these things and all of us are equal in all of this. All of you have been brought here by the Lord and he's been, he's been, His hand is on all of your lives, your whole lives. And, but if you're like me, you know there's got to be some reason for that. There's got to be some purpose. And it, and it doesn't have to be highfalutin. You know, we don't have to necessarily build a prayer tower. Uh, there's all kind of things that are the life of God expressed. As John was talking in his introduction, uh, it's, it's Jesus, it's Christ in you. He's never separate from you. So He's not just in you when you're religious and doing churchy things. Amen. He is in you and as you walk in, in well, He says, I will dwell in them and walk in them and be their God. So when you're playing golf, you're watching TV, you're driving down the road, whatever you do, God's not, there's no such thing as secular and sacred. Amen. It's only sacred when you see it. Everything is holy. You know, so, uh, I mean, if, if, if it says Christ is all and in all, that makes everything holy. Amen. Or if you only see secular, then it, everything is secular. Amen. But there's, there's no division. Um, you, see, you, you, you see and walk in one or the other. And as Christians, um, who yet maybe haven't come to consciousness of, of some of these things, they may still see a secular and sacred, but God already sees in them and they're still walking a spirit life whether they realize it or not because that's quite plain in Romans 8. But what God is interested in in this spirit life is that we would come to know it and we would come to realize who we are uh, and, and kind of learn what this human self is and how it operates so that we can accept it because God hasn't made this is not trash. This is not trash. Um, this body will be replaced by a better body one day. But even this body, it says, is quickened by the Spirit and is used as an instrument of righteousness. That's what it says in Romans 6. Um, you know, you were 
your instrument, it says your faculties, your humanity, were used as servants of sin. We all were that. But now, because we have died with Him in baptism, and that's, that's dying with Him in His death, um, and the old person that we were, the old union that we had, the old boss that we had, which was Satan, he, he unknowingly ran our lives because, see, Satan is the God of I'll be for me. And so at the heart of our lives, until we know Jesus Christ inside us and we know the Holy Spirit, we're just me for me. We might be trying to be a nice me, but it's all just trying to get what we want. You know, how, how can I get what I want? Some people decide, I'll get what I want, but I'll be a bad me, and I'll go do this, and I'll manipulate and trick people and all that sort of thing. And those people are easy to spot. The people that are hard to spot is the people that think, because they act good and they do good things for other people, um, but deep in, down inside themselves, it's all about them. And so it, either way, we're trying to get what we want. Um, so, what is it? We've got to have this reorientation inside of us to see that, well, wait a minute, we're not these me-for-me me people that we, that we may have started out in life as. There's, a, there's really only two spirits. Spirit of truth, the spirit of error. The spirit of truth is, um, or the spirit of error, I'll start there, is, I'm for me and to hell with you. And the spirit of truth is, I'm for you and to hell with me. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus was willing to take everything that, that had happened to us and everything that we became, sin, um, and, and the ramifications of it, and He took it into Himself that He might die to it as representative of the whole human race that, ha that were fallen from Adam. And in that death, and in that descending to the lowest depths, He took it all, and then He raises. And when He's raised by the Spirit of the power, the power of the Spirit, of his father, uh, he says he gave gifts unto men. And what that gift was is his own life dwelling in us. There's no, there are no separate stuff that God gives. He is love. I mean, this is something that is really vital to see. Um, but we can't see it until we begin to get this, uh, this false idea or sense of ourselves out of the way that we all inherited from Adam. And that false idea or sense of ourselves is when they took when they took the fruit, Adam and Eve took the fruit, it says, you know, Eve looked at it and it, and and it and, and she perceived that if she ate that fruit, she would become wise, knowing good and evil, and basically become equal to God. Or God herself, or God himself in the case of Adam. So they became and that was the trick. That was the trick of the enemy, because uh, God does want us to know wisdom. God does want us to know consciousness. God does want us to know what these opposites are and how they work. But they can't work while we're trying to work them ourselves, and we work it from the standpoint of human reason. And so when, when our entire race fell, um, that snake kind of intertwined with our own thinking, and we all became me for me. And I'm just going to be for me, and um, if... if doing stuff for you will benefit me, then I'll do that. But if it turns out doing stuff for you doesn't benefit me, so, sorry, bye. You know, I'm for me. Basic. That's, that's, that's the whole uh, the situation that humanity finds itself in. And when we come to Christ, 
Um, that's that's who we still think we think we still are, um, and so that's why we have to go through the little little past that we go through um, that uh, brings us out of that that false thinking that we're just. We're just these little people. We're these independent little. I, John liked my word I came up with the other night. Independent little godlets, uh, and who think who think that okay, you give me the techniques, you give me the scriptures, you give me the stuff, and I'll apply it and make it work. Give me some love, give me some joy, give me some peace, give me some power, and and then by by my efforts with your help, God, uh, then I'll 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 we'll get this done. Um, I find, let me just take you to a little scripture passage here. And uh, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, which is just loaded with stuff. But don't worry, we won't go over all of it. Okay. This is really Paul showing us the purpose of God in our lives. As I said, God wants sons, but He wants sons who know who they are, sons who can operate. You know, when you in in the human world, uh, if we have, if let's say I'm a I'm a dad and I own a company and my son's there and I want my son to grow up one day and operate the company. If I'm smart, I make him start at the bottom and learn everything in the business from the ground up and not be special. You know, he'd just be one of, the, one of the people there, and he gets to learn everything. Start as janitor, whatever, you know. Start in the mailroom, whatever that might be. Um, if I'm unwise, I'll just let my son be spoiled and think he's, he can have anything he wants just because he's the boss's kid. And then when I turn over the reins of the company to him, he runs it to the ground because it doesn't mean anything to him. Well, see... Our Father wants us to start at the bottom <laughs> because He's smart and He knows what it takes for for His life to come forth. It ha- it cannot be through the strings of s- self for me, you know. If God doesn't work with that, um, He does in the vis- in an invisible way, but in our consciousness, if, if 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 we're in it for ourselves, then there's you know we're missing the boat, and God's life is. Um, it, it, it does go on because he's, you can't stop him, but we don't have quite the benefit of it that, that he wants us to have. So here's the perp- some of this purpose that, that uh, Paul, Paul is talking about, and I said four, but I mean three. Second Corinthians chapter 3, starting with verse 2. You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For, for as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. Stop there a second. Um, this is it. I mean, this, it, I mean, you could take some scriptures and you just... You just have those, and you wouldn't need anymore. I mean, there's so much truth packed in here, especially this this uh, third and fourth chapter of Second Corinthians. But this is really it. You know, when you um, when you learn a profession or you, or you get a new job, you, you're unfamiliar. And you don't know what you're doing, and you don't know how to do it. And so, I mean, if it's 
I mean, I, I worked at McDonald's a long time ago, you know, and the first thing they told me, they made me was the fry guy. I'm, you know, I made the fries. And back in those days, we actually had real potatoes that, that we put in a peeler and peeled, and then we took the potatoes and put them in a slicer and sliced them, and we swished them around in water to get the starch out of them, and then we blanched them, and then halfway cooked them, and then when it was time to, to, for to you know, get them ready to serve, they were sitting in these baskets, and uh, you, you go take a basket, drop it down in that oil, and, and uh, we didn't even use a timer in those days. We just looked at them and said, okay, they're done. And... Um, um, I, I, now that was 40 years ago, 40 plus years ago. I do that job, and I could, I could, I think I could walk in there and do it today. Except that they don't do any of that anymore. They, they're frozen, and you just take them out of the freezer, and throw them in. But, um, but when I started there, I didn't know anything. I was green. And so I didn't know a thing, you know. So here's okay. Here's a hundred pound sack of potatoes. All right, okay. Pour it in this. Pour it in this thing. So pour that those potatoes in the in this big pot and turn on the thing, and it goes and it's knocking all the peels off. It was pretty cool. At least we didn't have to sit there and peel all those potatoes. And uh, and and but you know, step by step by step, they explained it to me. And then made you know the first couple of nights, I was kind of you know a, a, a newbie and made mistakes and had to ask them, what do I do now and that sort of thing. But by the third or fourth night, wasn't a real difficult job. Um, I I was a fry man, you know. And once I knocked the fry man, um, then I got to be the counter man. And in those days, we actually added, subtract, multiply, divide, and we didn't have the picture of a Big Mac that we just punched, you know. And uh, uh, so, you know, we it, it was something to, to learn and learn how to do that and how you pack the bag and what you do first and all of those things you learn. But then once you have learned it, then you're a counter man. Now, I moved on to the pinnacle, other than manager, was the grill man. That's, that's the top man at, on the totem pole at McDonald's, or it used to be, other than the manager, because that was the elite. And I got to be grill man. So I was moving right along. Uh, I decided not to make that a career, however, and went into other things. But the, but this principle works in everything that you do, whether it's something simple like learning how to make French fries, or something difficult like he did, go to medical school and become a vascular surgeon. It's the same principle applies. You start learning it, and you're green. You don't know how to do things, and you, you get to practice in a in an environment where you can't hurt too much at first. I mean, they start working on people who are already dead, and uh, <laughs> not much you can do to them. <laughs> well, I've heard some of those stories, but, but, but you know, it's, and, and then as you, as you grow and as you learn it, you uh, one day they give you a test, and, and, and you go through a series of boards and things like that, and then they say, okay, now you're a doctor. And you go out, and you, you are what you've learned. You practice. That's right. You, you, and doctors just practice all the time, uh, not in, like piano players and doctors. But you are what you have learned. You become it. Well, that's the Christian life, also. You know, uh, we start out green. We don't know how we work. We don't know how we function. And for most of us, um, I, and God, this is God's mercy and grace. Um, most of us start out by thinking. You know, after the initial 
from, and this doesn't happen to everybody, but it did to me and a lot of people I know. I had this initial euphoria where, hallelujah, 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 I, I was dead and now I'm alive. I'd fought it. You know, the, the hand of heaven had been after me hard for a couple of years before I finally knuckled under. And, and it was really not my, you know, you say, well, you got to make a choice. Let me tell you, there was there was no other choice. It was either that or die, um, and 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 because I was pushed into a corner, and, and won't tell all that story. But I made you know I said, okay, Lord, I'll I'll do it. You know whatever you say. Okay, bring it on. I don't know what this is all about. I don't even believe in any of this stuff. But if you show me yourself and show me it's real, I'll do any. I'll follow you, even if it's Jesus. That was. That was a big stumbling block. I could believe in goodness and love and peace and all of that stuff, but Jesus seemed a little narrow-minded and uh, you know uneducated to me or something. Um, but I found out that I was the uneducated one, and uh, He educated me real well uh, when He brought Jesus into my life in the Holy Spirit. And it was just for a while. It was just every prayer was answered. Every day was glory every time every step I took I praised and then one day a brother said you know um, I had this VW bus that had Jesus on the front and the back um, and and, uh, and every kind of Christian bumper sticker you can think of because I went crazy nuts for Jesus <laughs> and um, a brother said to me well, you know Fred with that with that um, that witness that you're trying to do with your with your VW bus saying Jesus on it, your life needs to line up. Well, up until that point, I didn't know it. It didn't line up. <laughs> you know, I thought Jesus had accepted me by grace, and, and I mean, he had. You know, he he saw me through the eyes of grace, and I was forgiven. And um, and I knew you weren't supposed to lie or cheat or commit adultery and all that kind of stuff. And for the most part, I wasn't doing any of that. Uh, but um, this brother said, well, you've got to work on your life and you've got to be, basically, you've got to have a life worthy of the witness that you want to be. So, um, before that day, it had been hallelujah, 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 God's love, hallelujah, praise Him's name. And then it went, oh my, I've got to uh, do something about this me." And luckily, I happened to be in a church where they were only too willing to show me all my problems <laughs> and um, and what I needed what I needed to do to overcome them. And which basically, I call these the the Protestant uh, sacraments. Um, you know, in, the, in in the Catholic Church, the Episcopal Church, they have sacraments, which are basically communion and baptism uh, for. For the Episcopal Church, and then they add some more for the uh, Catholic Church, and uh, and the definition of a pro of a of a um, of a sacrament is, according to the Episcopal Prayer Book, an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. And there, um, for the Episcopalians, it's a sign, um, and but for Catholics, the 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 sacrament actually contains the grace, and if you partake the sacrament, you get the grace. In other words, so you take communion, and, and the act of taking communion itself imparts the grace to you. That's their view. Well, 
evangelicals have the same thing, but they just don't call it that. It's called Bible study, prayer, church uh, attendance, tithing, all of those things. Those are the grace. Those are how grace is imparted to you in the Protestant realm. Because you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do that. And you do those things, then God will give you this, and He'll give you that, and He'll do this, and He'll do that. That's also called the Old Covenant. But we don't know that. I mean, I mean, for years I heard you do your part, God will do His. Problem was, I couldn't do my part. Uh, and so, and so, what happened was after I this brother said you've got to work on your life, and I said, oh, you're right. I mean, I was a, a new father and a new husband at the time. I I'm, I was 21. My wife was 19. We had a three or four month old baby, and I knew that I had to learn how to be a good dad and a better father and a better husband and a better provider and a better this and a better that and have more patience and have more love and have more joy. And I, I had all these these you know lists of things I was working on and praying for and 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 I would you know go out we live I would go outside and pray at night to for God to give me all this stuff and 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 you know fill me with you know Himself. All, you know there were there was good stuff I was asking for as well as stuff just for me, and I didn't know it. I didn't really realize that when I'm asking God to be spiritual at that point in my life, I was really wanting the other people in the church to know that I was spiritual, you know, and uh, oh, look at him, he can read more Bible than anybody else. And I was kind of good at the church stuff. Um, I could read my Bible, I could pray, I did do all those things. However, when we got home, as John said, you know, family life did not reflect, uh, there's a, you won't bother us. The boss. Okay. Me or something. You know, family life is a good barometer. Of of, of of your of how you think you're doing, um, and uh, the Lord, I think He leaves us our family lives to be a little little. Uh, you know, w- we all think it's got to be like leave it to Beaver family, and it's all calm and all problems are solved in a half hour, and nobody has any hard problems. But when we grow up, that's not what happens. And um, I have three children; they're all in their thirties, and We've had a you know a problem or two uh, every once in a while, and I speak. Uh, I'm greatly uh, uh, understating that. Um, we all have problems, and so and and in, and in the Christian world is only too happy to condemn us because well you, the reason you're having problems is you're not reading, you're not praying, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, and so then we develop <laughs> seminars and classes and books for to learn the techniques so we can figure out how to how to make our marriage work, how to make our money work, how to make how to how to make sure our kids uh, you know grow up scrubbed and clean and loving Jesus and all of that kind of stuff. So we work on that and. Um, God is pleased to let us do that. And the reason He's pleased to let us do that is so that by that method, we will find out the futility of it. Um, because one, one thing that, you know, in Galatians, Paul says to the, to the Galatians, he says, Oh, you foolish Galatians, you know, received you the Spirit by faith or by the works of the law. And, and, of course, they had received it by faith. And he says, well, how then is it that now you think, after you have received the Spirit by faith, that now you're going to be perfected by the obedience to the law? 
and, uh, and, and, and you know, I went to a church, we read and memorized everything in the New Testament, but somehow missed stuff like that. Because it seemed the most logical and reasonable thing to do was to work on ourselves and become better. Um, and, and that comes out of not knowing what we are first and who we contain. Um, so that's what God does. Now going on in this uh, chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, looking at this, the verse that, that, I, that I read, this is God's goal for us. Is to realize that we're not just we 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 just haven't learned read a book and memorized some concepts and now because we've read a book and memorized some concepts we've got it. What this is saying when he says you are living epistles, he's saying that you're the life walking around. It's not what you learned on the board in Sunday school and you can score well on a test. How many missionary journeys did Paul have? Well, he had three. Okay, I got that right. Um, it's not about knowing those things. It's about walking as He. And so how do we do that? Well, the only one that can walk as He is He. Amen. And so we don't know that for a while. We think we somehow can get some additions added to us and we can produce this thing. Now, I was a... Oh, look at the kid. You're going to have him a wasp. Um, you know, uh, I went to, in my early days, I went to a charismatic Pentecostal church. And so I knew the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and I knew the gifts. But as I've said many times, I thought... I knew the Holy Spirit lived in me, and there's a couple of little problems I had. One, when we went to church, if He lived in me, why were we getting Him to come down from up there? Yeah, okay. That's one problem. And the other problem was the, my, my own perception or consciousness of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Because the way God was, this was sort of explained to me, is the Holy Spirit is the power. Okay, so I saw Him kind of like a battery. But I didn't know how to turn it on, and I didn't know where it was. Because I thought, I mean, you know, it says in the... Oh, so then death works in you, but life in us. Was that a log <laughs> or a smash? A smash. What was I saying? Death works in you. No, before that. Uh, was somebody paying attention? Uh, okay. What? About being. I lost it there with the, with the wire. All works in you. Okay. Um, it all works in me. Uh, yeah, well, it, it's, it's, you know, I, I have to find out that I can't do this. And so, mercifully, God takes us through this process, and it's a right process, the, where we get to find that out. Because if you look, and, and I think the, 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 tr the transition of the children of Israel to the land of promise and walking through Sinai is a perfect parable of our Christian lives. Uh, and if you look at it, you see when they, when, they leave, when they leave Egypt, they're left by the blood on the door. You know, that's, that's the blood of Christ. And they're, and, they're, and they're rescued, they're brought out from under the kingdom of Pharaoh, who in that case represents the kingdom of darkness, their harsh taskmaster. 
who we don't even know he's running our lives. Uh, but Paul says very plainly uh, in, in Acts, he says, you, you, you were in the kingdom of darkness and now you're in the kingdom of his dear son. Translate it out of one and into the other. So God comes with a mighty hand and he snatches us out of the devil's hands. And he, and he purchases, purchases us to himself by his blood. Now what? <laughs> There's all kind of noises around here. Anyway, okay, so, and then we walk, and then we have these miracles, and we get finally to the to the middle of the, you know, we're headed to the land of promise. That's what they were, they, where they were headed. But right there, smack dab in the middle of the desert, is this great big giant mountain. And on top of the mountain, it's thunderings and lightnings and earthquakes. And Moses can go up on the mountain, and he can talk to God on the mountain, but the children of Israel cannot go up on the mountain. They can't even touch it. And that's another parable. Because Moses... Well, we can discuss what had happened to Moses. Moses had started out like the children of Israel 40 years before. He had believed, he, he, God had told him he was the Redeemer, but he didn't know how that was going to work. So he thought, I'll just kill this one Egyptian here and I'll start the ball rolling. Well, it backfired. And so what he ended up doing is running off in the desert and he ended up... Um, uh, you know, living there, um, meeting Ivan de Carlo Zimbra and, and uh, tending sheep, and so, and then he sees, and he sees, uh, you know, the burning bush. And when he goes up, and when he goes up on the mountain, and he meets God at the burning bush, um, which I see as a parable of God's life in us. God's life, God is a consuming fire, but when He's in within us and He's in right relationship to us, it's not consuming, it's, it's power. It's power. It's like an engine. When you turn on the car motor, you, you experience the, the, the radio and your air conditioner, and, and you're in comfort and smooth, but in the engine, you're, it's about 500 degrees in there, and things are going like that. So there's, there's this fire that God is. But in right relation to it, it comes out as light, and it comes out as peace, and it comes Amen. out as gentleness. And so you have to learn how that works. Well, Moses, this is where Moses learned it. He's, he's 40 years in the wilderness, and he's probably thought, well, I don't know what that was I thought 40 years ago about being the deliverer of the people, but I must have been wrong, or I, I missed the boat somehow. But now here he is content. He's done all this tending sheep, 40 years, and he He's goes up and sees... 80 years old. 80 years old, exactly. And um, I'm glad we don't have to wait that long, uh, most of us. Anyway, so so here he is, and um, God says, I want you to go to Egypt, and I want you to deliver my people. And instead of, like 40 years before, he would have said, all right, I know, I've got the stuff. I, I was raised as a child of Pharaoh, so I know the ins and outs of Egypt. You know, I know who to call I, I, to, to get things done. God didn't need any of that. He didn't need any of Moses' own self-talents. He needed an empty Moses. And when at the, and up on that mountain, he found an empty Moses. And the empty Moses says, who am I? I don't know how to do any of this. And so he has a little interaction with God, and he ends up realizing that it's not it's it's God who fills the mouth of man, not the cleverness of man, or the you know how, how you know how you figure things out and or, uh, learn 
learn p- public speaking. And I mean, I took courses in all that. And I've, I've had to learn through this that I do that it's not by my art, it's not by my cleverness, it's not how clearly I can state the gospel, but purely and simply by the life of the Spirit. And so it's God who gives the increase. Um, uh, and, and we realize that if God says, read the phone book, and we read the phone book, He can bring people to Himself. So we don't question Him. And this is what happened with Moses. And that's what Moses knew. And that's how he went back and how he did what he did. But here he is, back with the children of Israel, back at the same mountain, and they haven't learned that. They're still flesh. You know, as, as we find out that when they, when they did get to the Promised Land a, couple, a little bit later, um, they still saw themselves as flesh. And they couldn't go in. And, and, and they, God would rescue them and God would take them through, but they still thought there was something they had to do. And when they looked at the giants and they looked at the great walled cities and they said, well, we're in our own side as grasshoppers and you know, we'd be meat for those guys. We can't do this. Now, God, how many miracles had, they, had happened? You know, and we say, well, those stupid guys, how come they don't get it? Well, if we'd been there, we wouldn't have got it either. Because God has to bring us to a place where we see that we can't do it. Um, And so, but but anyway, right there at that mountain on Mount Sinai, Moses goes up and we we know what happened. He comes back the first time. They've made a golden calf and all of that. So then the second time when he comes back, he's bringing the tablets and he sprinkles blood on the people. And he says, this is the... This is the, the law of God. These are the commandments of God. If you do them, you'll be blessed. And if you don't do them, you'll be cursed. Now, what are y'all going to do? And they said in unison, all that the Lord has told us, we will do. The flesh is so has a lot of bravado. You know, it really does. I can, all right, you've given me a plan. I can do that. Step one, step two, step three. But you can't. So, and God knew that, and, and I think Moses knew that too, because Moses knew the secret. It's interesting that Moses was the giver of the law, and he lived by grace. I mean, he didn't wear the suit. He was not of the house of Aaron, but he could still go into the Holy of Holies. And that was the law, the law that he set up. Moses, all right, you can't, only Aaron uh, or Aaron's sons can be priests, and only the high priest wear only a certain garment can go into the Holy of Holies once a year. Um, but Moses went in and out all the time. So he was living a union grace life even though he was not imparting that to the to the to the people of Israel. And that was God's purpose. And so here we are, we there's these people and they're saying, all that the Lord has told us we will do. Well I call that rededication. Uh, because that's what I did a thousand times in church when the when the preacher would say, "All right, uh, you're not uh, y'all all need to do better in this." So we all go up and say, "Okay, we're going to try to do better in that. I'm going I'm going to do this better, and I'm going to do this better." And so uh, in, in churches I've been in, you just see that over and over and over again. People are constantly rededicating because they they felt like they didn't do enough or they didn't do it right. And so you keep on doing it, and then you fail, and you keep on doing it, and then you fail. And it's like the children of Israel all throughout their history, up until the time of Christ. We go, why don't they get it? Why do they keep falling away and whoring after other gods? Don't they see that they're going to get punished and all this stuff is going to happen? The flesh can't help what it does. 
You can't be anything else but that when you walk according to the flesh. Now, they don't know they're walking according to the flesh. And as young baby Christians, this is what we have to learn. Now, going on in this, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Okay. So what he's saying in verse 3 is he's wanting you to be... um, not just some kind of robot or automaton uh, or somebody that just spouts out concepts or doctrines. He wants you to be a living person and the living person of Christ to be manifest to you. That's what this is saying. But then he says, and such trust have we through Christ towards God. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm seeing seeing this for you folks even though you may not see it yourself. And now Paul says, I think that this next two verses, five and six, go hand in hand with Galatians 2.20 and some some other passages in the New Testament that are all testifying of the same basic reality. And he says, first part of verse 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. Stop there. Now, I've learned, and I believe this is the truth, because I've seen it over and over and over, and it happened in my life, and I've seen it happen in the lives of many, many other people. And that's what I've been talking about here, is the first portion of our Christian life is to learn that we are not sufficient. Um, I was up in Connecticut a couple of years ago. Um, some friends of ours had a, had a, a rented a house on the beach, and my wife and I went to, went to be with them for a while, and um, one of their family members came and um, that that family member's child was getting married and so they had a lot of preparations for the wedding and stuff like that and he was he gave the grace at the meal and I kind of I mean I kind of chuckled at at the grace that he gave because he said he said well Lord thank you for our food and all this the standard thing and then he said and, and thank you for all these wedding preparations we've been get we've been able to get done and and Lord I know you you've contributed some to that too and so we really appreciate your part in that <laughs> I mean I just loved it uh, um, because we you know that's that's the way we look at it well I do you know it's not in the Bible, but people think it is, and God loves those that help themselves. And no, God, well, He loves everybody, but God works in people who don't help themselves, but realize they're dead and they have no life except His life in them. And so this is our first, this is the first thing we learn. This is not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything is of ourselves. In Galatians 6, Paul says, A man who thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Well, what does that mean, to be something? Well, just what I'm saying. It means that you think um, you can just take the, 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 the techniques and the procedures and the, and, the, and the principles of God and apply them and make your life work. And a church that I went to for many years, that's what we did. It was everything they, they figured out. They outlined all sorts of things. And if, you don't, and if you can't do it yourself, there's plenty of books that will tell you this. You know, the ten scriptural ways to have uh, better finances. You know, the ten scripture, uh, apply these things and your marriage will be a success. And I don't find that God promises any of that. 
I don't find God says, well, I'll, prom- I'll, make you, I'll make you worldly rich. I don't find, He says, I'll make your marriage. You know, you, you hear this, and this is the church I was in. Come to Christ and He'll meet all your needs. In other words, I'm going to, I'm going to go, poof, abracadabra, and, and you won't have any problems. Because that's what everybody wants. I don't want to have any problems. And then if you have problems, there must be something wrong. I must not be in God. So I must not be dedicated enough. So I'm going to try again. And, but that's not what He promises us. If we really read the New Testament and see what He promises us, He promises us persecution, death, uh, turmoil, uh, bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that His life might be manifest in us. He's not, he, says, he says, I didn't come to bring peace on the earth, but a sword. And, and there will be division. And so... Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, is not sometimes not so meek and not so mild. And sometimes there's a division and sometimes there's hardship. But it's all what we do learn when we begin to see the secret is it's all redemptive. Because His life is always intercessory. His life is always given that others might have life. And when we begin to get that, that's what's happening in our lives. Oh, wait a minute. This is no longer about me. See, our first part of our Christian experiences is about me. And it can only be that way. Because when you're a child, when you're a baby, it's about you. It's about crying so your mommy will come and feed you with the bottle or change your diaper. And you grow up and still as a little kid, it's still all about you. And only only when you get to be an adolescent do you begin to learn that, wait a minute, I've got these faculties, I've got these things I can do. You want to stretch your legs, you want to be independent, you don't want to be with mom and dad, you want to kind of find your own way. That's all right. That's what God, that's, that happens in, in our human families and, and it happens in God's family too. Because we have to kind of want to flap our wings and we have to kind of, we have to kind of know what our abilities are and so we learn that in human life and we learn that in spiritual life too but so so but anyway as I said this is what he thoroughly gets uh, into us and it may take some of us a while I mean it took me uh, quite a while it, it takes everybody quite a while for the most part none of this stuff set in stone is a law but this is just the way we've seen it work is it takes a while to realize that wait a minute it's not it's not me that has to do it I can't do it. Um, that was a that was a a decisive moment in my life, and probably after salvation, the most decisive moment in my life when I came to an absolute impasse, Waterloo, where I finally said, in a, in a very total way, I've been saying it in little ways, when, to get up to that point, but finally there came a day where I just I was agitated to the to the depths of my being. Um, I was afraid that I had missed the will of God. I was afraid that the devil would deceive me. I was scared to death of deception. Scared to death the devil was around every corner. He was a lot more powerful than God, it seemed to me. Because, you know, they would say, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But still, it was a devil focus. Because as long as the devil can get at you, then we've got to be this, we've got to be that, and we've got to be diligent, and you've got to have ministers to tell you what to do. And, uh, and, and, but, and for the first part, of my Christian life, we had a very authoritative minister over us who was quite willing to tell us what to do. And I was quite willing to let him because it was, it was I felt safe that way. I felt, okay, well, he'll, you know, there's many dangers out there. Not knowing 
that the the one who is greater than all not only lives in me, but he actually accomplishes his life in me. I didn't know that yet, only in a dim way. And so I had to have these outer things to keep me safe from the devil getting me and pulling me off course. Uh, and then one day, I didn't have that outer support anymore because the Lord took us out of there. And the very first night, I was out of that situation where I had... People in 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 ministry above me who were kind of took the job of the Holy Spirit, you might say, uh, in in the sense that they were told you when you were led and when you were not led, and if it was of God and if it was not of God, and what you ought to do about this and what you ought to do about that, and don't listen to anybody else, just listen to me, that sort of thing, and that was safety for a while. But then I knew that it was not right, and God pushed us out of that. And the very first night I was out of that, it it hit me. I don't, I don't have anybody to watch over me anymore. Well, guess what? I did. <laughs> because immediately when that thought came, and I, I, was, I was laying in bed trying to go to sleep um, and feeling scared, and the thought, and, as I, and the Psalms came, the Psalm came, uh, I think it's Psalm 4 8. It says, I will lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, O Lord, only makest me to dwell in safety. And so. When the you know there's another scripture that says when my mother and father forsake me then the Lord will take me up, and in a sense ministerially these folks um, they were kind of like mom and dad in a way you know and when they were not there anymore I saw the real who was really holding me up and I saw that he enlarges his steps under me I saw that that, that he'll never leave me or forsake me I saw that this was all progressive but I began to see that he was the one that did it it wasn't me it wasn't about me uh, you know at some point you got to get over your own sins you got to get over your own failures you got to get over your own weaknesses because God got over them 2,000 years ago and really for all eternity Amen. he knew you he knew everything you would do and say and think before you were ever born and he and he sent Jesus Christ to save you anyway you know while we were yet enemies Christ died for us it doesn't say we got ourselves together and then God came and said okay well y'all have done a good job getting yourself together so while you were enemies he came and died for us and he took us we were turned in rebellion to him and and you know, people say, well, you've got to really repent hard and you've got to change your life. You can't change your life until Christ comes into it. Amen. That, you know, you can't do a thing about yourself. You can't quit this or quit that or stop this or stop that. If there's something that needs to be stopped, He's the only one that can do it. So that's why uh, we go through this first period where we say, okay... Uh, I came in in the charismatic renewal in the early 70s, and there were a lot of professional men, um, um, you know, businessmen in some of the Bible studies I was going to and things like that. And they were tackling the Christian life just like they tackled business. Okay, how do you do that? Well, you get your manuals and everything, and then you, and then you, you get huge Bibles, and you take giant copious notes of everything, you underline everything, and you learn all the techniques, and you learn all the procedures, and by golly, you, you whip the Christian life just like you, you whip your, your earthly life. But the Christian life, the life of the Spirit doesn't work that way. It works by, yet not I, but He. So that's the first part. And then the second part, Paul says, we may, we may take some years learning our own insufficiency. But once we learn that, he says... 
The second part of that verse, the first, it's not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything is of ourselves. This is where we learn what Jesus said. The Son can do nothing of Himself. And we have to have that kind of beaten to us a little bit. The Son can do nothing of Himself, and it's beaten to us by us trying and, and not succeeding. And then... He says, but our sufficiency is of God. Ah, we're beginning to see here. We're beginning to see. Well, wait a minute. It's not me. It's He. And for me, there was a, there was a definite day, a dividing point, just like the day I said, Jesus, I will take You as my Savior. Um, I don't know what any of this is about, but whatever it is, okay, let's go on. Let's do it. And so he took me on a journey. I had no idea where I was going or what was going to happen. But it's been a great journey. Been a lot of bad stuff, been a lot of good stuff, but it's all been right and perfect in spirit. And, and, and the more I, I see that more and more every day. And so once I learned that I, I couldn't do it, and I, one day I just said to God, I can't do this. And if it's going to get done, you're going to have to do it because I quit. And I thought he that was surprising. Uh, it surprised me because I was it. I, I was it. I mean, I went to a church that taught him. You know, if if you were walking in righteousness, you know, today, and and then somebody asked you a question and you told them a lie, and then Jesus came, you wouldn't go because you you had sin and you you had every sin had to be repented of. On you had to keep yourself clear all the time and and. You know, you're really in trouble if you had secret sins that you didn't know about. But so I was in, I was in fear. I was scared to death. Uh, the 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 love that I had experienced in the beginning of my Christian experience became fear and terror when I when I got to this point. And I did, and I just came to this point. And I said, I quit. I can't do it. I can't save myself. I can't keep myself in you. I don't know what's the right way to go. I don't. I can't tell the difference between the devil's voice and your voice in my voice and if it's going to get done you're going to have to do it I quit and I did and he started doing it now he'd been doing it the whole time but I didn't know it because when you're full of self thinking you, you're doing it you can't see it Amen. So, so this is what you know. God uses a, a thousand different ways to disabuse us of the notion that we're that we are people who can eat, make this Effect this, you know. If you realize, you think about the law. We think about don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. Um, but in the New Testament, the law is ramped up a thousand percent because the law of the New Testament is love, and the law of the New Testament is the power of the Spirit, and we can't produce that. We think, you know, well, we're under grace, we're not under law, and what people mean often by that is, well, we just do the best we can, and God overlooks what we do. Um, and we really mean we're just still kind of plodding along and maybe we're kind of spiritual people and we do our best, but, but grace means He just kind of overlooks it and He loves us anyway, which is true. That is true. But there's a better life than that. There's something more. There's something more purposeful than just we kind of do the best we can and plod along and God overlooks it. Paul said, I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So the grace of God is not just unmerited favor. The grace of God is the life of God working in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. But you can't see that as long as you think you've got to make it happen. And we have to be totally 
disabused that notion that I make this happen other than by my agreement. Now, there's a part we play. And the part is just saying, it's like when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, you're going to have the Christ child. And she says, how can this be? I've never known a man. And he says, the power of the Spirit will overshadow you and this will happen. And so she's, her reply is, be it unto me according to thy word. That's, that's the transaction of, of faith right there. She didn't know how it was going to happen. There was no, you know, she didn't get some kind of super spiritual sense because if you read more about her, just as she pondered these things in her heart and, and she was a, a regular human person like we are. Um, but but that's, that's really appropriate to us because what's being born in us, Paul says, I labor and I travail that Christ may be formed in you. In other words, Christ is born, Christ grows up, and He's formed in us so that we walk around and it's us, but it's He. I live yet, not I, but it's Christ. But how does that come about? First of all, it's already done the moment you bring, ask Him to come in, but we just don't know it. And because He wants us to be conscious of who we are and know how we operate, just like being a doctor or a fry man at McDonald's, um, we get this education, the life or the, the school of the Spirit. And so, here we've learned that I'm not sufficient, but that He is my sufficiency. And so I spent, and a lot of people I know go through, it's kind of a period. And a period is like, well, I can't love, but He can love. You know, I, or He can love through me. I can't love that person, but God, I know you love that person. You can love that person through me. And so on. Things like that. It's, it's kind of a replacement. Not I, but He. Not I, but He. And that's, that's, that's kind of an intermediate uh, thing. Because what he really wants us to be, what he's, what, as I said, he wants you to become the doctor or the grill man or whatever it is that you are. You become what you are. It's, it, it becomes spontaneous. It becomes, this is life. It just flows out. Um, you know, when I was a, uh, I, for 10 years I was, I was a computer man. I, I fixed computers, built computers, sold computers, did you know, all kind of support. I did all of that stuff, and just like in any other thing, I was in the beginning. I just was green, and then after a while, it was just me. And I didn't think about it. I knew how to do stuff, and if I did get into a into a you know a problem I couldn't solve, I knew how to who to call, and 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 often it came by inspiration because I had, one of the jobs that I used to do was I, I for three years I worked for a hospital and and I handled like. Uh, 43 uh, computer networks in doctor's offices. And so I was responsible, only guy responsible for all these computers. And it was fun because it was like, it was like solving problems. And, and I would, I would uh, you know, get in there, try to figure out what the problem was, and I'd get all bogged down. And I'd walk out, take a break, and not think about it for a few minutes. And just kind of let my mind clear and think about the pretty spring day or whatever. And I walk back in and the answer would pop into my mind. And I go, oh, well, that's it. And I make it work. Because it just becomes you. What you are, you just, you just walk out and you are. That you are that. And so here's the third part. And this is what Paul is saying. And this is, we're moving from verse 5 down to verse 6. He says... First he says, no, I'm not sufficient for anything, and my sufficiency is of God. And when he thoroughly learns that, the third thing happens. Who hath also made us able ministers of the New Testament? 
And that's that's who we are. In other words, we 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 don't work it up. You know, I used to go to church and we had like a pep rally to get God to do stuff. And um, I realize that's not that's not that's not it. God is inside us for one thing. He says He says I will be a well of water springing up into everlasting life in you uh, during my during my difficult time. Um, in the beginning, I, I caught that thing that he said to the woman at the well. Take a drink of this water and you won't thirst again. And during those difficult years, all I did was thirst. All I did was, where are you? Come to me. Give me. Oh, please, you know, fill me with you. And, and it's a good. It says, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. But there's a finding, too. You know, people seek and seek and seek and ask and ask and ask and knock and knock and knock and don't realize that when you seek, you find. When you ask, it will be given to you. When you knock, the door will be opened. And the door is opened and we don't realize it so we don't walk through. There's this... Somebody told me this a while back and I've been using it ever since. There's... um, You can imagine that there's two doors. One door says heaven and it's open. The other door says seminar on heaven. And the seminar on heaven is people are walking in and they're all in that room milling around and then the door says heaven. Nobody's walking in that. And so you can either have the seminar or you can have the heaven. Well, we want the heaven. The heaven is the life of Christ in us. And, and, and there's, you know, whatever's in the, in the afterlife, uh, I get closer and closer, so I'm a little curious. But at the same time, heaven is now. It's in us. And, it, and it's permanently in us. It's not something we have to work up. So when I saw that, that I wasn't, you know, I said, where did the, how come I'm thirsting? You said I wouldn't thirst anymore, and here all I do is thirst. I mean, for years it was as the heart pants after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My tears have been my meat night and day, while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? Well, it took that. And, and, and that was not me doing that. See, the Holy even all these things where we think we're trying to do it ourselves, it's the Holy Spirit bringing us through. Because this is how He does it. I had to go through that, you know, that time when I didn't think I had anything and I had to somehow work it up and to, to finally come to this place where I didn't do anything and saw that He does it all. And then when, that, then when you're thoroughly versed in that through experience through God just saying well, look, you just walk here and you walk here and you walk here and it's me walking it's me talking it's me being and then after a while you realize that you don't even have to say it anymore you don't even have to think about it anymore you just, you're just you and the you that you are is He it says that in Galatians 2.20 He says I live but it says I've been crucified with Christ so I die but wait a minute nevertheless I live so I'm alive but wait a minute, it's not me, it's He. Yet not I, but Christ. But now the life I now live, as people try to analyze those eyes, you know, and, and who, what this eye is, what this eye is, what this eye, I've seen articles and things about trying to analyze all that. Folks, you don't have to analyze this. This isn't mathematics. This is faith. And when you walk in this, when, when, when this, when the Spirit inside you begins to make you aware of these things, you just understand it. Uh, you know, I, oh, okay, when he says, I was crucified with Christ, well, that was that old thing that, that used to be me. That, that's gone. And it's gone forever, gone for good. And the only way it comes back is as a temptation. And we can bite into the temptation and still, oh, oh, I'm, think, oh, I'm that old guy, but then we realize we're gone. And so, as we bite that temptation, 
fewer and fewer times because we get finally we get the trick and and we don't fall for it anymore. Um, but then he says, uh, "I died, but now I'm alive." Well, who's alive? Well, it says in First Corinthians six seventeen that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. In other words, he's come into into us. God is spirit, and we're spirit. It says in uh, uh, Proverbs, the, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Uh, in Hebrews, it says he's the father of spirits. So we're spirit people. And God is spirit. And it doesn't say God is a spirit. God is spirit. If he's a spirit, then he's, a, he's just like a spirit here. If we could imagine a spirit had a body. And, and we're spirits over here. So we're all these little instincts. And it just says he's spirit, meaning that he's not separate from any of them or anything. That he's, it says the Father is above all, through all, and in all. So everything, and it says that he is all in all. So he's the all in the all, he's the all in the all, all the alls that there are. So that doesn't leave anything out. No, there's nothing left out. And so we, we can see him through and in and as all things. Him manifesting some truth about himself, some some greater understanding of his reality through everything that we see and experience every day. So this becomes uh, what what st what started out after my initial euphoria w began, to, which was a great labor to try to become Christ-like, uh, try to imitate Christ, try to figure out what Christ would do, and then do that. What would Jesus do? Is one of the well, I won't say what I think it is, except that, like John said, no one knows what Jesus. He was continually uh, baffling the apostles and and doing things that you would not think he would do. And so, I don't go. What would Jesus do? And it says WWJD. I go WWJD. Watch what Jesus does, and that's who He is in me. Watch what He does, but not just in me. All out there, everywhere out there, I just see His work. And so, this is. This is where he's taking us. He's taking us to see that that we just live this life spontaneously and we can trust him to uphold us. We can trust him to fill our mouths with words when we don't have the words to say. I had a really odd thing happen for me uh, this past weekend. We were in um, Arlington, Texas, and... Um, some friends of a friend of ours had arranged for a, a, a man from Brazil to come and take some people who are speaking this truth and take it back and translate it for for into Portuguese for the Brazilians and put it up on a website. So someone asked me if I would be willing to be interviewed by this fellow, and and um, so. I mean, like, you know, we're all regular human people, so we have the same fears and the same trepidations and, and all these things. So I knew this fellow from Brazil was coming who I didn't know what he looked like, what his background was, not anything about him. And I'm, I'm, he's going to interview me, and he was going to interview John. And so um, uh, when, when it came time to do it, I was... I was nervous as a cat, and, and I always start out these things like that. As, as I told you, I don't prepare, so I'm always thinking I'm, in, I'm not going to have anything to say, and then people can't shut me up. So anyway, the, the, what, the way the procedure of this, um, of this recording was, and I've never done anything like this. John went to Africa, and he did this in Africa, but I never had, was um, I, I said a sentence or two and then, and then stopped, and then he would look at the camera and say what I said in Portuguese. 
and that's kind of, you know, your tra- I mean, it was real easy to lose your train of thought because I'm listening to him speak in Portuguese, which I don't understand at all. Portuguese is similar to Spanish, but it's not Spanish, and I know a tad of Spanish, but so and it was and it was speaking so quickly that I couldn't get anything. And then it would be my turn again, and and to try to remember where I was and what I was saying. I have a hard enough time when I don't have that, uh, but I trust the spirit, and so I went into that weak as a kitten, as I always do. And it was the steps were faltering at first, but then it just began to flow, and it just began to flow. And I would say things, and he was saying things. He was getting it too. He was he he was really seeing it. And so we were just. It's always nice when somebody's translating you, and they know what you're saying, just instead of just translating the words that you said. Because see, you don't translate word for word when you go from one language to another. You translate by concepts, and so you have to understand the concept of the of the first person that speaks so that you can say the same concept in the other language. And um, so, anyway, it got to be a real flow. And now this is it. See, what did Jesus say? He said, He that believeth on me, out of his belly, or innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. And what's the requirement? Only one. Believe on him. And my, my mentor in this life was a man named Norman Grubb. And he said... Um, he said he heard a missionary when he was a young man say that. Norman was English. And he said, uh, he said, he said to the Lord, well, I don't know if I can believe for rivers, but I'll believe for a money trickle. Mm-hmm. And um, if you know anything about him, his money trickle became somewhat like an Amazon. And I took that too um, as a much younger man when I first began to see this 30 some, 31 years ago. And um, I said, okay, Lord, I'll take that. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll confess that. You say, if I believe on you, out of my belly, out of my innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And, and so there's two things that I, I'm really believing there. One, I'm believing that He's going to do that. I know I can't do it. I can't make living waters flow. I can't produce love. I can't produce spirit. If it doesn't come from God, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. So that much I know, and, I, and I've learned it's not by my intellect or my clever words or how clear I speak or say the truth. Um, I've witnessed to one person over here and not paid any attention to this person over here and been kicked out of the house by this guy. And this person says, can I, can I accept the Lord? So you never know what God is doing. Um, but So I learned that, you know, that, that he's, going to, he's going to do it. He's going to be the one to flow out. And the second part of that was, they, where are those rivers? Well, they're in me. You know, they're not up there, and I'm not trying to get him to come down from up there. And that's what Paul says in Romans chapter 10. We don't ascend into heaven to get Christ to come down from above. The word is nothing in your heart. And so, it's not just the word of confession, but the word that upholds all things. You know, by him all things consist. He is the word, he is the preeminent, uh, he is the outraying of the divine. So, when Christ is within us, the, all power in heaven and earth is within us. He's, all things are mine, Jesus says, and all things are yours, He says, because you're in Me. You're a co-heir with Me. So whatever I'm heir to, you're heir to. And what? And, and then the, 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 the final part of this life and understanding it, once we see we're no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, and we begin to grow up into Him who is the head, and we become fixed in Him. So that I'm not looking for the next book or the next movement or the next great revival 
Bible to break out over here, over here, over here. It's the thing that where you're walking in on a continuous basis. Here's the revival right here. You know, I don't look for a movement. Start your own. I'm the movement. The Spirit is moving in me and He's moving in all of you. So we're not looking for something to join. We are already joined. And so what's happening is, is this, this incredible uh, uh, life of the universe that empowers and through it, the whole universe consists of is in our innermost being. And all we need to do to increase it is not just pray more, give more, be more, but just give it, you know. I mean, you know, all the all the money preachers they use that given it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together. You know, send me a thousand dollars, God will send you ten thousand. All that stuff, and and that's not what it's about. It's about the life. It's about who you are. And you know, somebody says um, to me, or other people say, you know, I, I really kind of getting to understand what you're saying, but I really don't know how to transmit it to others. And I just say, well, give what you got. Give what you know. God will increase it. As you give it out, more comes in. You know, as you begin to speak God's Word uh, in whatever way, it doesn't have to be any formal way. I'm talking about at the checkout line at Walmart. I mean, the, what you are is the Word of God. It doesn't have to be quoting Scripture and talking holy stuff. I mean, like I said in the beginning, there's nothing secular. It's all sacred. And so when you begin to see that Christ is, is you in every moment of every day, in all of the things that you do, uh, it changes your whole aspect of life. You begin to see, oh, wait a minute. He is all in all. I see Him everywhere. And he speaks to me in everything. I see his. I see Him in the spring. I see. I don't like winter, but I see Him in there anyway because I know He's going to come spring here. You know, and that spring is my favorite time of year. I just, I just come alive during the spring. I kind of hibernate during the winter. But it's, it's a spirit life, and He's got us. And and what He's going to do with us is use us to bring life to others because that's what He is. Once we see, it's not about me anymore because I'm taken care of on the cross. My sins are forgiven, you know. And He says He'll lead me and guide me. He will. He, he says. I'm the vine, you're the branch. And you just remain in me. That's all abide means. You just remain there where you are. You don't seek to escape. And you just, you just stay there. And guess what? His sap throws, flows through us and fruit is born. And we don't even know how to do it. It says in Mark chapter 4, the kingdom of heaven is, is like a man who casts seed into the ground. And then he comes back. You know, here and there. And he's first he, you know, he comes back and he sees the, you know, the, the plant starting to come up just a little bit. Then it gets bigger and bigger and finally he sees the full corn in the air. And I love this I love this line. He knoweth not how. All he knew was that he cast the seed and the the you know the action of the soil and the action of the air and the action of the sunlight and the action of the water which are all the provisions of God brings this up into a great plant and what does a plant do uh, a food plant a vegetable plant well it exists that it might be food for us well that's who we are we exist that we might be food for others Jesus said I am the bread of life and he who eateth of me shall live well now you're the bread of life. We're all the bread of life because we have that same life in us. That same life that was not for itself, but willing to expend itself uh, even unto death for others. That's the life that now is our lives. And so that's it. Period. Amen. Where'd John go? Oh. 
Well, anyway, so um, I, I, I guess I've spoken enough for a moment. So if any of you guys have uh, questions or comments, want to testify, please feel free.